and Divorce Conversations, where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a show. Now, this is a quite a long-awaiting episode to come. In fact, in this year, 2023, there's been only one recording. You may be wondering, why is that the case? I mean, there's so much great content. And to be honest, the number of people reached out asking and wondering, when are we going to get to hear more great content about relationships, building relationships, fortifying them and making them better? So I'd like to do a little self-disclosure and actually share with you a little bit what's been going on in my own life. And in December... December 25th, 2022, to be precise, my wife and I were blessed with another child. We had another boy. This is child number seven in our family. Um, What can I tell you? You see, I even had to pause as I choke up sharing this amazing information, how blessed I feel as a father, as a spouse, to be part of this amazing journey with my wife. And... The child that God blessed us with this time around was born with a certain condition called clubfoot. It's a condition involving a certain deformity in the feet of the child. And the doctors informed us uh, shortly thereafter that we will have a long journey ahead of us. And the little guy has been going through lots of different treatments, including a therapy in which both Achilles heels had to be cut in order for the leg to heal stronger back. But we are at this point taking our chances and trusting the experts. And during this journey, it's just been extremely difficult to pause, collect my thoughts properly as I try to do before each episode so I could give over something meaningful, useful. You choose to take out 15 to 30 minutes of your time to spend time listening to a show like this. And I want to make sure that it is meaningful and impactful for you. And as the journey continues for our little guy, whose name is Yehuda, by the way, and um, he is really teaching us a lot about patience, as if we haven't already did not learn that with the previous six kids, but he is pushing the limits or God is pushing the limits and helping us learn more skills, tools, character traits that we continuously build in this thing we call life and the journey of a relationship and it just simply made it really difficult to allocate time and be present for this and so as things are moving along nicely and we're seeing good things developing and on schedule as the doctors explained to us I finally been able to kind of collect my thoughts and come back to this place that I love back to the studio in front of the microphone sharing what I'm learning in the battlefield as I work with couples every single day, just like you. And today I would like to visit a topic that I just think is so fascinating. And the truth is the inspiration came this past weekend. It was a holiday called Shavuot on the Jewish calendar. And during this holiday, um, men tend to stay up, some women as well, tend to stay up the entire night learning the Torah. It's a reference to an event that took place in biblical times that when the Torah was given, Jewish people fell asleep. And this is our way to make up by staying up all night. And the synagogue in the neighborhood where I live invited me to be a guest speaker. And of course, I wondered what could I possibly talk about 
that would be of any value or relevance and impact than the relationships. And what could be a better topic to discuss than this? After all, the receiving of the Torah for the Jewish people was a wedding. It was a meeting place between a bride and the groom, the Jewish people, and God himself. And so I created a, a small curriculum, and, and we had at 4 in the morning, you heard me right, at 4 in the morning before the sun rose, about an hour-long, deeply moving, real, authentic, and impactful men's group therapy in which we discussed the roles of spouses, particularly roles of husbands. What role are we supposed to play? How are we to assume this role? And how are we to gain strength, grow, and understand better how to show up successfully to this relationship? And so my mind kept coming back to what I want to share with you today, which is a concept introduced by somebody named John Gutman in the world of couples work. He's a legendary name. Uh, he's someone who dedicated his entire life to understanding relationships, studying them in a very methodical, research-based way. And in the course of his work that culminated in a book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, a practical guide from the country's foremost relationship expert, uh, this book discusses lots of different hacks, tools, tricks to learn, to process, practice in order to become a successful couple in the realm of a relationship, a romantic relationship. And one of the ideas introduced in the book that I would like to discuss today that was just so glaring to me at this 4 a.m. men's meeting in the synagogue, what John Gottman refers to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Of course, is making a biblical reference, and the idea that we're going to focus on today is what are these four horsemen, and what do they do to us and to our spouses? So I'll just give you a quick list, and then we're going to take apart each one of them to understand better, and of course, most importantly, to understand how do we deal with them successfully. Well, the first one on that list is called criticism, and criticism essentially is when we verbally attack the personality or character of our spouse. For example, the most typical way we do this is a generalization. You are always dot, dot, dot. You never dot, dot, dot. You're the type of person who would dot, dot, dot. Why are you so fill in the blank? You see the pattern here? Everything is black and white. Everything is spoken in absolutes. Right? It's almost like I'm making an effort to box you in, almost like a prison that you then can't escape. The problem is, is that I am the creator of the prison, and you are my prisoner. You are a prisoner inside my mind, because if I imprison you this way, then to me, you cannot exist in any other way. You know, I, the way I stress test this theory is when a couple comes in, and if anybody decides to use this horseman, the criticism, I right away like to pose questions. Do you believe the world is black and white? Do you believe that anybody can be absolutely good or absolutely evil? And of course, most people, at least sane people, are going to say, well, look, nobody's really 100% one thing. There are times when we're angry. There are times when we're happy. There are times when we're sad. There are times when we're blissful. So it's very hard to imagine Think of a world where 
I am 100% one thing. Of course, I, with a smile, always tell them, that is wonderful. What if I told you that that is exactly how you conceptualize your spouse? That is literally how you think about your partner. And of course, after it's met with a little bit of a shell shock, and they begin to process it and begin to see, oh my goodness, I have been a really big critic, or I have been recipient of lots of criticism. And therefore, now the conversation can begin as, well, how do we turn around from that? How do we recover from the critic horseman? Well, one way to begin to do that is we talk about our feelings using I statements and expressing a positive need. So instead of saying, you never take care of me, you never take me out. So instead of doing that, because the moment I say that to you, well, you don't have much place to go to, right? If Because you're going to say to yourself, well, if that's how you think of me, that I don't care about you, well, how am I going to recover from that? I need to sit here now and prove to you I have to make a case. Maybe I do care about you. And therefore, the better way to do it is if you're the one who wants to share that you feel you've been um, a recipient of criticism or you would you just simply would like to receive something, well, consider switching from that shaming and blaming exchange simply using the word I. Easy example in what we discussed so far. I would like you to take me out for a dinner. I would like it if we could make time to go on a date. Now look at the difference, the contrast of that sentence to the first one. We completely have sucked out of the room any blaming, shaming, criticizing. I'm simply stating my needs and I'm expressing in a positive way. So for instance, if you want to sort of add an icing to the cake, you could say, I would love to, for us to go out because when we go out, it's a lot of fun and I feel like we've reconnected versus you never take me out and I feel like this relationship is going nowhere and I don't even feel like it's fun anymore and on and on and on and watch the other person shrivel up before your eyes as you share your need because you're not really sharing your need. You're really sharing your need to clobber your spouse over the head for how you've been disappointed with the relationship. And so consider switching from criticism to what he calls a gentle startup. Just share, here's what I need, and here's why I think we will both benefit and prosper from this relationship. Horseman number two, contempt. What is a contempt? It's when attacking sense of self with an intent to insult or abuse. You wimp. You're so stupid. You're so ugly. You're such a slob. Oh my gosh, you're so lazy. Or uh, hostile humor, sarcasm. Oh yeah, like you are ever going to do that. Sure, sure. I'll believe it when I see it again. What is happening in that exchange? What, what's contempt adding that criticism didn't? All right now, I, I like to call this the takedown. It's not only now that I've uh, pushed you around, I even give you a little sucker punch. Now I just need to take you down fully. You are this thing. And if you are this thing, well, good luck getting out of there, right? I just made that jail cell double lock proof. You are never getting out of here. Not only are you a certain thing, but in certain ways now you're also a nothing. So I've reduced you even further. I took away your humanity in my own eyes. And think about that. How strong that is when we actually pause and think about it. After all, what is the point of a sarcastic remark? What is the point of a mocking, hostile humor? If not, to reduce the other person to a nothing. Why? Because your presence right now is hurting me. And the only way I could numb the pain 
is by reducing your significance. Right? How is that for a psychological twist? Right? And therefore, what am I supposed to do? How do I remove something this venomous from the relationship? Well, one place you, st you could start is you build a culture of appreciation. Remind yourself of your spouse's positive qualities and find gratitude for all those actions. Constantly look for ways to give compliments, to reinforce that the relationship is meaningful, that this person carries certain inherent values. And even when they mess up and they walk into a house with a big smile on their face, holding another parking ticket, or they walk into the house and say, uh, you might want to go take a look at the car. Um, I think I might have had a little fender bender and uh, half of the car is missing. <laughs> Obviously, um, in those moments, we could say that this is it. This is what my spouse says. This, this moment encapsulates the entire existence of my spouse's essence. Isn't that just dreadful experience? I mean, after all, if that is all your spouse is, a parking ticket, a burned soup, a toothpaste, not closed once again, this is the entire makeup of my spouse. That's a pretty sad reality to live in. And what's even sadder is part that requires us looking in the mirror and asking, what has happened to me that this is all I can see in my spouse? They may have lots of flaws, but you know what? Maybe yesterday they went to work and that helped pay our bills. Maybe two days ago, they went and filled up the gas in my car. And so I wouldn't have to worry about that task. Maybe the other day, my spouse watched the kids so that I was able to do something for myself. There's always available opportunities to find qualities that are precious, meaningful, special in our spouses. But only we can find our way to make those efforts to give energy and to hone in on and focus on those qualities rather the very thing that takes down my spouse in my own eyes and then causes me to deal with them accordingly like a nothing or like someone of reduced value and so for the horseman too how do we get away from contempt we build a culture of appreciation okay horseman number three defensiveness right what are we doing we're defensive we we victimize ourselves why to ward off a perceived attack and reverse the blame so what happens in defensiveness? We have to come up with ways uh, to explain away why the situation is happening. Anything but to step into the space of ownership and vulnerability. It's not my fault that we got that parking ticket. Well, I didn't know that uh, you were supposed to leave the soup on the fire only for five minutes. Somebody would explain to me then I would have handled it better. Yes, but I always love those. Um, I kind of kind of want to take ownership, just don't really want to. So maybe I'll just give like a little lip service to it and then you'll leave me alone, right? Yes, but, or it's not fair. Why does it have to be like this? I did this because you did that. Oh, that's amazing. Now the relationship has become a perfectly transactional space. I'm not doing this because I'm making conscious choice to be responsible, to take ownership. I'm doing this because you did that. So I'm just responding to your own behavior. How do we get away from this defensiveness? Well, one easy way is take responsibility. Now, I know I just said easy way. It's actually really hard. But think about it. 
what is the alternative? I'm going to stay in this relationship, constantly playing hide and seek, constantly hiding, hoping to evade and avoid getting hurt. What have I done to the relationship? I have reduced the relationship in significance. I've taken away any opportunity for the relationship to consist of connection, bonding, love, nurturing through experiencing teamwork, experiencing rallying behind each other in a difficult moment. I love sharing with couples a concept I borrow from narrative therapy. Instead of viewing each other as an obstacle, as a problem, as a challenge, why not rephrase the problem and then describe it as the two of us have to face this? So for example, I'm going to give a relatively extreme one. Let's say you feel your spouse is lazy. Okay, my spouse is lazy. Well, instead of coming over to my spouse with criticism, contempt, or defensiveness and saying, you're so lazy. Why do you have to be so lazy? You know, our life would be so much better if you weren't lazy. But instead of taking them down, demoralizing them, removing all sense of power and powerfulness, a sense of capacity and ability to perform, why not come over and say, you know, I began to realize more and more that we live with someone we never invited. There's somebody who occupies our space, uh, and that someone is called laziness. We live with laziness. How can we go about addressing this problem? How do we tackle laziness so that we could show it the door? And finally, the fourth horseman is stonewalling. Now, this one is pretty much as literally as it's going to get. It's to withdraw to avoid conflict and convey disapproval by distancing and separating. All right, have we seen one of these? All of a sudden, I just won't talk to you. You come over and you say, would you like some soup? Silence. Do you want to talk about it? Silence. Can I please share with you what goes on for me? Silence. Where does that leave me then? How am I supposed to communicate with you when you're giving me the silent treatment where I have no way to enter your space because you're giving me no entry point or you know, people who are muttering under their breath in a you know, monosyllabic way, right? They, they're literally single syllable. No, yes, whatever, no. What am I supposed to do with that? You're giving me nothing to work with. How am I supposed to reach out to you when I have nothing back? And so once again, what steps would we need to take? We will need to literally consider physiological self-soothing. Take a break. Spend the time doing something soothing and distracting. Do something for yourself. Don't just sit there and be like, hmm, hmm. That's literally what, what I'll, I'll watch sometimes couples do or describe to me that goes on between them. And instead, what about trying out some of the following? What, what about um, just make a very specific statement about your complaint, something that's bothering you, or make a specific request. When X happened, I felt Y and I would like Z. Do you think you can do this for me? You state very explicitly what you need. I would love if we would spend more time together. I would really appreciate if we can go on vacation at least once a year. Versus, you never take me on vacation. I have nothing more to say about this. You know, forget it. There's no use talking to you. Right? All of these things will fall somewhere into one of the four horsemen. But what I think is particularly damaging about stonewalling, and is really important to understand and wrap our minds around, is when we give silent treatment, don't be fooled and think, look, I kept things safe. I kept it to myself. It's not true. For most spouses who are on the receiving end of this horseman, 
of being stonewalled, what is actually happening is you are reducing me and my significance and value. What most couples have reported to me when they are recipients of stonewalling is the following. I felt like I was reduced to nothing in my spouse's eyes. I felt like I wasn't worthy to be spoken with. And that made me feel really crummy. I, I felt really hurt and in pain over the fact that my spouse couldn't find anything to say to me other than to give me silence. And so the types of things we could do to address this, to both help ourselves not be stuck behind our own wall, a stone wall that we've built and then retrieved behind it, and at the same time to not cause unnecessary harm to our spouses, we could focus on what do I need right now? What is it that's happening inside of me that is bringing me to a point of needing to hide behind my own stone wall and then to give you no access? Ooh, there might be something painful hiding there. Maybe, just maybe, I might stumble into the truth of the matter, which is maybe, just maybe, it's not my spouse. Maybe something's going on inside my own world. And whatever that is, is making it really difficult for me to right now be around my spouse. And so I feel like the only thing I could do is run to safety behind my own stone wall that I have created. And so when we give awareness and focus on these things and say to ourselves, okay, right now I'm experiencing one of the horsemen. Before I go ahead and chop down my spouse and hurt them and hurt myself in the process, I can pause now and say, how can I practice reorienting? I'm, I can catch myself. I'm in the midst of being critical. How can I change my words to reflect either neutral tone or a neutral message or an encouraging and supportive message? And if I'm in the middle of dealing with you with utter contempt, how can I say, wait a second, there's so many things to appreciate here. I'm not just going to energize the negative stuff. I want to focus on all the good things that are going things that are going right, and then address in a positive, healthy, cooperative way, whatever it is that I need or that's bothering me. And also, maybe right now I'm feeling very defensive. I don't like what you said. It really hurts me. But instead of lashing out back, I will take responsibility by simply sharing that here's what's going on for me when you behave this way or when you treat me this way. Or I can express compassionate inquiry to you and simply ask you, can you share with me what goes on for you that you felt the need to show up this way to me? And finally, and when I experience you stonewalling me and I can't get in, I have no access, I can, or I'm the one who's doing it, I can either invite you to share with me and then give you space, as much space as you need, until you feel you are ready. Or if I'm beginning to have self-awareness that I'm the one who's doing the stonewalling, then I need to figure out a way. How can I soothe myself right now? What kind of things can I do right now that would comfort me, that would help me uh, come back to a state of being regulated from dysregulated in a state where I'm ready to receive and to really hear your perspective? And ultimately, and sometimes most importantly, I'm ready to just share with you what goes on for me rather be hide behind that wall that I've created myself. And so when I come back to that night on Shavuot a few nights ago, one of these four was constantly brought up by one person and another until we made a round through all four, and there was the theme. 
a never-ending cycles, vicious cycles, where spouses continuously relive these four horsemen. And I believe mostly simply because they lack the tools of figuring out how to reframe, how to recover, and ultimately how to put behind all of these terrible horsemen and live a life that's much more aligned with a state of connection, of empathy, of curiosity, and ultimately ability to authentically share our world with our partners. Thank you for listening.